They will embrace a religion, and in this case, a political religion of either the right or the left. Because yeah, it so has its own version of salvation, its own version of, of hope, of thy kingdom come. There's a secular thy kingdom come, and there is a Christian nationalism thy kingdom come. And right. neither of them are biblical. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. And uh, we're back at it. That's right. Yeah, new year. Yep. Here comes some more podcasts. And uh, I was delighted to just be a listener last week. Yeah. Um, you and Jolene were talking about Holden Evening Prayer. Absolutely. Yeah, I think... Um, I thoroughly I, enjoyed that, by the way. Good, yeah. I think, yeah. you know, Jolene's really thoughtful, insightful... And uh, it's amazing to just think about how how music, you know, it's free. I always am amazed at music. It's like it just happens. It's a gift. Y yeah, you don't have to, like, power it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it just is there, and it's just for everyone to enjoy. It could be such a refuge. There's something kind of magical about it. Yeah. And speaking of refuge, um, today we're just going to kind of debrief a little bit. Um, I mean... I think we can all agree this has been a hard couple weeks uh, as far as our nation is concerned and really a hard couple months, a hard year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of potential for division. And so our intention in this episode is really to not so much talk about what happened, but to really get into some of the deeper roots of why our nation is so divided. Yeah. So, of course, everyone will remember, I'll remember for the rest of my life seeing, uh, you know, people enter into the, the Capitol building, mm -hmm. um, which is really, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre, it almost feels like a dream. Yeah. And super traumatic too. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the, as I've been thinking about it today, the only analogy that's really worked for me is like, you know, let's say I, I think of like, if there's, you know, like parents are fighting and children are suffering, you know, it's like, we, the people in charge are fighting and we as <laughs> the onlookers were just all kind of traumatized by like things are not okay in this yeah. household <laughs> yeah right the, and, <laughs> you know and yeah at the same time we're part of the household so yeah it's, like, so yeah. it's just super messy and just painful and uh all these different feelings and so you know just as your pastors we just want to kind of create a space in this podcast where we can kind of just think through these things and not so much talk about the issue, but really talk about some of the underlying reasons why our nation is divided and how we as Christians can really hold forth the gospel and yeah. be, well, what did Jesus say? The light of the world. Um, I don't think it's coincidental that we're preaching through the Beatitudes right now. I think right. those are just fitting words for yeah. the kind of situation we're so I, we're living and I, I want to kind of say like, we don't have this all figured out. I don't have it all figured out, you know, cause it's like, it's so complex. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's very hard to understand the history that you're living through and to have a, a really wise and mature sense about it. But our, our hope would be that we would be able to explore a little bit, ha maybe share some thoughts that we have had. And ultimately our hope is that every listener will have gone through some non anxious, 
conversation about this and really thought yeah. a little bit harder about the kingdom of God in relation to this nation. Yeah, and, and so I'm hoping that in this episode people will be comforted, but I also hope that people will be challenged a little bit, maybe to think outside of the box or to really, uh, I think of what Jesus says in one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. And, and if we can get there and, and start to have that mindset, regardless of where we fall politically, that that's a pretty big win. So um, in, in true podcast <laughs> fashion, I think that you are going to share a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of like this one. Um, so a man was admitted into the hospital because he swallowed eight plastic horses, but his condition is now stable. <laughs> I didn't really like that that much. You didn't like that one? <laughs> no. I don't feel like kids probably wouldn't laugh at because most kids don't really know what a stable no, is. See that, yeah. Well, that's the perfect dad joke, you know. I will always be honest with you, Pastor Tim, that if I like, a, <laughs> if I like the joke, I'm going to tell you. If I don't, I think that <laughs> we're secure enough in our relationship that I can tell you I don't like it. Can I, here, I'll try another one. Uh, out of all the animals, what is the one that is the least interesting? I don't know. It's a boar. A boar. Yeah, oh, that's, a great that's boar. Good. That's a that's nice word play. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. On, on with the, the business. So, uh, yeah, with that in mind, um, <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been a year with, I would say, high potential for division, even within the church, whether it be coronavirus, wearing a mask, or it be uh, the election that we had, or it be, um, uh, you know, racial tensions and just all the, these things mm. that we've seen. And it doesn't really help that we're all isolated from each other. That doesn't really, that's not in our favor, I'd no. say. So that yeah. it's like the only information you have on a subject comes through your filtered YouTube selection. Facebook page. Yeah, whatever it might be. It's, and we're, it's, it's usually the worst examples yeah. of the other side. Yeah, for real. So it's this, yeah. uh, we're addicted to shock, you know. Shock and, and awe. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I've noticed that in the news that I've read lately that I, uh, and, and I've, I've noticed this in like the last months and I've gotten kind of, actually I got to the point where I deleted my news app, you know, on my phone because mm -hmm. I was realizing that the stories that I saw on my news app, whether they were Fox News or CNN or New York Times or any of those venues, they were all kind of aimed at making me angry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they would say, look at this thing or this action or, or this thing that somebody said, be angry and get more divided. And yeah. so I just have tried to be very selective. Like I actually, I, I like to read, uh, um, I have an international, um, it's a British uh, current events magazine. I love it because they're kind of removed from all of our problems <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And they can kind of just comment, you know, from outside of the system. You yeah. Know, and, and I'm just, and it, I, I've had to be careful about news because sometimes there is this kind of like, I feel like I'm being manipulated by both sides. They're just trying to make me angry, you know? Yeah. And it, it puts you into kind of this moral quandary where it's like, if I don't take action yeah. um, on this subject, I'm a part of the problem. Right. How much right. am I going to take? You know, yeah. before I have to stand up and say something or be one of those angry people on Facebook that posts all the time. Yeah. 
and it's tr- it seems like it's trying to goad you into that or make you ashamed to be your, in your own skin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I will tell you this, that I, I, so just an advertisement for not being on Facebook, I deleted all my social media accounts. And, and, and hear me on this, I'm not saying everybody should do this. I, I think that there's a way to wisely use social media and really to be a good presence. I can say that in, in doing it, I felt a certain, a certain sense of calm, like a calming presence in my life. Hmm. Um, and, and there will maybe be a time when I'll be back yeah. onto it. Yeah, that has been quite a while, isn't it? It feels really good. Yeah, maybe I should try that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I do tend to be, at least once a day, I kind of feverishly read the news, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, and I think... Um, I don't know. <laughs> that might be just a habit that I might need to just pump the brakes on and maybe I'll read it in, in recent history. You know, I'll read it in yeah. six months and see what happens. And, and somebody asked me this question on Sunday. You know, they said, um, you know, I- is it wrong to just not read the news? And, and I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, it, it's, it's good to be aware of things, but it's not good to be consumed in things. I think that we should be giving more attention to God's word than we are to getting on YouTube trails and, <laughs> you know, like reading the latest post. Yeah. And, and I think it's really good to be calmed and centered in God's word so that then we are from the perspe- perspective perspective of the kingdom of God calmly and reasonably read the news and then read them prayerfully. Yeah, and I think too, I think there's a part of this that if you are so in tune with the news, most of the things you see on the news, you have no influence over. True. Some things you do, but most you don't. And I think if we're continually sucked into that realm where like we feel like our job is to know the news and to know it as accurately as possible... You know, it's another thing that actually can steal us from the vocations that God has actually called us into. Yeah, like the local thing. Yeah. You know, I've thought about this. Uh, Kelly and I were talking about this, that like if you like lived in a small village like 400 years ago, you would be kind of concerned with the news maybe of your community, your neighborhood, your your maybe your nation that you lived in. But but now we're consumed with like global news all the time 24 yeah. 7 and, and, and yeah the late you know we we have news headlines about the latest twitter comment yeah and just how fast-paced and absurd it is to try yeah. to chase all those ends so yeah yeah and, and and social media makes it so that we all become our own personal news anchors you know like, <laughs> <laughs> you know like like i'm dropping all these posts you know to yeah. make everybody aware about things that this just did yeah so <laughs> well um you know let's let's kind of get into this a little bit and maybe a little bit of a spoiler alert <laughs> you know as we talk about this stuff we're not going to really we're not going to reveal our own political beliefs and leanings um you know you know as pastors we are people <laughs> <laughs> we have lives and we have opinions and thoughts on things. And, um, but, you know, what we really care about is the gospel. And, and so, like, you know, I, I'll gladly have that conversation with somebody over coffee. Um, but I'm not, you know, because, like, I think that these conversations deserve a lot of nuance. Mm-hmm. And also face-to-face, <laughs> yeah, like, trust-based relationship kind of stuff. It's It's not the kind of thing where... You know, because people can always read the worst into everything, 
when you have these conversations. What we really want to do here is just kind of help you to be able to, to think critically and deeply about what some of the, the forces are that are at work in our culture that really go generations and even centuries back and, and, and help us to come out on the other side with a very Jesus-focused, kingdom of God first kind of mindset. Good. Yeah, let's do that. So I think if we step back and we just look at, you know, the American political scene, first of all, it's very polarized. Yeah. And there's two sides and it's like there's two parallel worlds happening or two parallel stories. Even like kind of two Americas. Maybe. Yeah, kind two of Americas. narratives that people are living. And yeah. this has been generating for a long time, I would say for sure. But now it's kind of at a fevered pitch. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting how it's changed, I'd say, in the last 10 years even because, you know, there are stories of, say, like a, a Justice Ginsburg and Justice Escalia mm-hmm. who would be able to go to the opera together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were good friends and they spent even holidays, their families together. Pretty cool. And but opposed on just about totally everything. Totally opposed on everything, yeah. right? But they really valued that their citizenship together. Yeah. And now, and now it's yeah. come to a head where... Like, I have a feeling that, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of politicians that would not even think about spending time together unless it's coerced. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so we're going to talk here about two very different beliefs about the future of our nation. And and I want to note that these are extremes. One of them identifies with a portion of, say, Republican right-leaning politics. One other extreme deals with a portion of left-leaning, typically Democrat politics. When we share these extremes, we're not talking about the whole, because there are uh, uh, many, many Republicans who don't hold this extreme, and there's many Democrats who don't hold this extreme either. But what we're seeing more and more is, is the extremes, right? Right. Um, and so this first extreme is what's called I'd call it progressive secularism. And then the second would be what's called Christian nationalism. Uh, so, so can you speak yeah. to maybe that progressive secularism? What is yeah, that? Yeah, so first we just break down the words a little bit. Yeah. So progressivism kind of comes from this idea that we are progressing, we're getting better, and we should um, prioritize anything that's pushing us forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, secularism really refers to trying to live life without God without a notion, a controlling notion that God exists. Yeah, or at the very least, if there is a God, we're not going to include God in the conversation yeah. at all. It's just, r- it's irrelevant, Neutral essentially. Space. Yeah. yeah. So progressive secular secularism, it's really going to uh, champion the individual's expression, whatever that might be. It has no guiding principle necessarily but except for maybe personal choice yes yeah so personal choice so here we're going to see you know sexual freedom is going to be absolute top authentic self-expression is going to be the law um and that can't be questioned um you know abortion is going to be on demand without apology yeah it's very much about the personal uh, pro- progress, right? If anything gets in your way of becoming your fully enlightened, authentic self, that's going to be your enemy. Yeah. Um, and so we don't want anything that to kind of tamp us down in this. Um, religion, yeah, it's tolerated. It's not really welcome in the public square. So I, you know, I hear this articulated 
really clearly sometimes. You can believe whatever you want privately. Yeah, do that weird thing that you do on Sunday mornings. Yeah. That's cool. But it's working for you, go. But don't talk to me about it, and don't bring that to the table when it comes to talking about public policy. And it's interesting to me because what secularism kind of assumes is that secularism is neutral. <laughs> yeah. But secularism isn't neutral because it's not provable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's also it, it also assumes that we have to get rid of kind of the religious nature that human beings seem to by and large have. And yeah, it's it's like it claims the the neutral ground. It's like this is neutral ground. Everything else is the crazy. Yeah, but it's not neutral. Yeah. No. It's not. So yeah, um and then yeah, to explain the other side, uh what's called Christian nationalism, um this is this idea that that God and America are go hand in hand. It, it's kind of this idea that that God's promises in the Bible are God's promises for America. That Mer America kind of inherently has this Christian destiny, and that um, and that even you know America has a privileged place of status among all the nations as God's chosen nation. Mm -hmm. and, and so I remember back in high school, um, I had a T-shirt that somebody gave me for like from a Christian bookstore and it had an American flag with Jesus's face like in it. And, it, and that's kind of what it is, is, is this idea that, that hmm. um, it, the kingdom of God and America are kind of interwoven. And now Christianity has certainly had a huge influence on our nation, um, but it's not the only influence. Yeah. And and there is even some revisionist history here, where you know people are, I think in, I think are going to kind of overplay the the Christian nature of the of our forefathers because you know I mean let's be honest like Thomas Jefferson, not a Christian, yeah not a Christian <laughs> guys he he took the the New Testament and kind of literally cut it up, <laughs> yep. and and cut out the the parts that were mir miraculous he kind of went for the pure reason and that was a product yeah. of the Enlightenment. Do you know what that kind of Bible is called. What? Once is this, this is a dad joke? Yeah, it's called a holy Bible. <laughs> After he cuts it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the reading I've done on, on say, George Washington, for example, is mm -hmm. that, you know, in his talk about God, he doesn't mention Jesus much. In fact, um, he did not attend communion in his later years. Um, and just, um, you kind of get more of a deism, which is a, a belief in a generic creator yeah, sort kind of hands-off God. Yeah, kind of a watchmaker who gets it going and then leaves us yeah. to our own devices. Um, so and, some and of the forefathers the were Christian, but uh -huh. not all of them were. And so the, the trickiness here is that they're going to be all for Christian values, mm -hmm. but not the Christ, not the person of Christ. Yeah, yeah. So like if all the founding fathers went through our new members class at Holy Cross, we'd have to teach them about the Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't think that all the founding fathers would confess the Nicene Creed. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's good to know. So uh, so I see this kind of thing on the right when uh, even, you know, I was watching an interview of, of the people who were kind of um, having that big protest uh, the 6th of, no of January. And a lot of the reasons they gave were this kind of answer. They were saying, you know, why are you here? Well, we really want to support Trump because he has really um, 
led our nation the way God would want us to. And that that's, well, maybe some of that, but they kind of really marry the two, and that's the point. Yeah, like we can talk about policies, you know, and things yeah. like that, or decisions, and, and you know, that's where we can debate, but, but it is this idea that, you know, so I, in watching the, the news, <laughs> you know, I, I saw that, within the context of the, that capital event, you know, storming the capital and the protests. And of course, you know, there's people who were there peacefully and there's people who were not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I saw the Jesus flags, you know, and, and, I th- and it, my first instinct is like, oh no, because it's kind of like, y- you have to, it's just another thing you have to explain to people, yeah. another barrier yeah. for people coming into the church. Um, but but I do think that the 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 wedding the marrying of Jesus and American politics is where it gets super messy. Right. This, this Christian nationalism thing. Now, I would say that both visions of America, both progressive secularism and Christian nationalism, are idolatry. Meaning, we're worshiping something other than God. Yeah. In, in fact, I've I've had. One of the podcasts I listen to is by Flame, the rapper, hip-hop artist Flame. He, he really kind of talks about how, he's a Lutheran, by the way. We've mentioned that. He went to our seminary. Yeah. Um, he's mentioned that, that Christian nationalism is actually a false gospel. Hmm. It, it's like a whole different thing. It, it's kind of parting ways with the true gospel because hmm. the hopes and the promises that each are clinging to are, are different. different. Um, but uh, I would say both are idolatry. And, and the thing about idolatry is that idolatry will always make us unreasonable. <laughs> huh. And that's why I think we're seeing that both sides, the extreme left and extreme right, are so unreasonable. You just can't have a conversation with either. Yeah, and I've heard you know, the very clear idea that when, when people, you know, our, our world has gone, especially the Western, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. Western world, has definitely gone away from uh, God is being central. Right. And when that happens, it's not like people stop being religious. No. They just, find, they just latch on to a new religion. They, they will embrace a religion, and in this case, a political religion of either the right or the left. Because yeah, it so has its own version of salvation. Right. Its own version of, of hope, of thy kingdom come. Yeah. There's a secular thy kingdom come, and there is a sort of a... Christian nationalism, thy kingdom come. And right. neither of them are biblical. Interesting. Yeah. So when we talk about the secular, thy kingdom come, we're talking about kind of what? You know, a government-run utopia? Uh, it's kind of you do you. You do, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, it's all about you. Just kind of do what feels good. And, and let's, it really does kind of talk about tolerance and freedoms, but it's really restrictive in those. It's intolerant, too. It, it can become very intolerant. Where, um, and, and we see this in cancel culture. We see this in you know, challenges to religious liberty and things like that. Um, and then the thy kingdom come in the American nationalism version might be um, America declaring itself to be a Christian nation. Yeah, almost like a theocracy. You know, yeah. Almost like, you know. U- using um, like biblical language in political debate, maybe. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the official religion of the United States right. is Christianity, right. whether that be spoken or, or, yeah. or just inferred. Yeah, um, and I know a lot of people have... Um, fond memories of growing up in a public school that said, say the Lord's Prayer every day. 
Yeah. As there was a majority Christian population. Mm. Uh, and they think that, yeah, salvation is going to be when we get prayer back in the public schools. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, I feel that, you know, people are like, things just went to kind of heck when, yeah. when, when the uh, prayer was taken from the schools. But then also, like, I also wonder, like, well, what God are we praying to? Like, what if the teacher stands up and prays to the almighty, generic, <laughs> benevolent deity of the universe? Yeah. And it's like, that ain't the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. So there's, yeah. there's problems with that road, especially yeah, because, yeah. gosh, I'm not going to trust a secular institution to teach my kids the faith anyway. Well, and but yeah, and, and, you know, and I think we have to be careful of the good old days because humanity, I mean, human history is so messed up that there's no such thing as the good old days. Hmm. So there's kind of a, a nostalgic idolatry yeah. too. Yeah, because we could say, oh man, the 1950s America, that was yeah. where it was at. I want to go back. Go back to that, but hey, if you are African-American, I mean... Would you like to go back to that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it kind of depends right. on who you are. You yeah, know? it does. And I think that we as Christians Your status. need to be sensitive to other brothers and sisters in the body. Like, maybe my good old days wasn't your good old days. You know? Yeah. So. All right. So one of the things that we've been considering is, okay, as, as people are aiming themselves wholeheartedly at these vi- visions of the future that are ultimately going to let them down, right. it makes them unreasonable it makes them combative if they lose you know we were talking about that kind of classic uh picture of someone just screaming when trump got elected yeah right uh, we've just ev- the future's lost it's right life is over and yeah. on the other side you know we see right now it's oh man it looks like the nation is going back into the hands of the democrats and a lot of people are just saying it's over. I can't live in yeah. that reality. You know, even in, in the in the election, we're talking about the soul of America. You know, right, right, yeah, the language, like, yeah. You know, it's, it's just over. amped up. Or and even we're, you know, we will fight. We, we're at war with mm-hmm. ideologies or something like that. Like, the, the yeah. language gets more and more extreme. And yeah, and I think what happens inevitably is that if your side wins, you become prideful and sort of triumphalistic, which yeah. is dangerous. And then if your side loses, you become despairing and angry. And yeah, maybe hate. even violent. Right? And maybe, well, yeah. certainly. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that that violence is, is on both sides. Yeah. You know, there's the potential. We've seen it on both sides. We saw the violence in the summer. We saw the violence, you know, last week. Yeah. Um, it, this is what happens you know, in our nation when we just become so divided. So let's talk about Jesus' day because the day in which Jesus lived was maybe a little bit similar to ours. Not the same, but... But high stress. Yeah. And and highly fractioned. Politically charged. Politically charged. So we had... And it's interesting to see how Jesus walked in all that. So we have several groups. We have the Sadducees. You know, they're elite, they're secularists, kind of. Mm-hmm. They don't believe uh, they're in the not really buying into, they're kind of like, hey, let's follow Moses and um, the values that he brings to our society. But let's do as much as we can to keep peace with Rome. Yeah. So that we can enjoy a nice, plush, cushy life. There we yeah. go. Yeah. Reasonable, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the Pharisees. Pharisees are religious, they're fervent. Mm-hmm. Uh, legalistic, the they're a legalistic group. Hey, yeah, probably not, s- not in 
full concert with the the Romans. Maybe they tolerate the Romans. Yeah, but they're they're trying to whip their people into a religious um, revival. Yeah, they're probably they're probably waiting for God to intervene. Like if they just keep the rules well enough, yeah. then God will will take care of the Romans. Yeah, and so the, that's their focus. Yeah, uh, and then who else do we have? Well, we got the tax collectors, and they're sort of like the sellouts. Yeah. They kind of, you know, <laughs> the <extort>. traders. <laughs> yeah, they're the traders. And then we have the zealots, and the zealots were the Jewish nationalists. And, uh, and they're know, ready to take matters into their own hands. They are, yeah. And, and, uh, um, and, and for our listeners, don't read into this comment too much, but it, I, I think that they did kind of want to make Jerusalem great again. Like, they, <laughs> they, they really were like, they they just they had wanted kind of Israel back, and the Romans were in in charge, and they just it, it was uh, yeah pretty high tense yeah environment. So and they're kind of let's go underground and yeah. let's let's arm ourselves. And so Jesus is living in this tension, this kind of tinderbox, uh, yeah. and and I think he does it really well. Yeah, he makes everyone uncomfortable, and one yeah. of the things that's beautiful is. He goes to the tax collectors' homes and eats with them. Like Matthew, his disciple, is a tax collector, mm-hmm. and Simon is a zealot. Yeah. And these two groups, Simon would have hated Matthew, hated right. the sellout, right? And Matthew probably would have hated the zealot and been af- maybe afraid of him. Um, and then suddenly in Jesus, they're eating together. Yeah, at it's the like same if table. Jesus would have called like Mitch McConnell. And Nancy <laughs> Pelosi, <laughs> come follow me. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, leave your positions of authority and, and yeah. come eat together. Man. And we also know of Jesus drawing Pharisees yeah. in, into his circle. Nicodemus. And so Nicodemus, yeah, he becomes a worshiper of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how did he do that, John? How did he do that? <laughs> That's the million-dollar question. Yeah, um, it is. Well, Jesus is, you know, gosh, you know, his words are just... You know, the thing about Jesus is he can make everybody feel incredibly uncomfortable and also deeply comforted at the same time. And so, you know, and I've seen this in the Gospels as I become more familiar with the person of Jesus through the Gospels. I just see that anybody who comes to Jesus confidently. <laughs> yeah, better. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. Um, even if they're right. Hmm. Even if they're right. But they don't see they don't what they need from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think of even when like the, you know, the, the religious leaders bring the woman caught in adultery, mm-hmm. you know, John eight mm-hmm. and they're, they're right morally, mm-hmm. but they're also wrong. And I just, I think that Jesus really has this way of kind of making us hold our opinions a lot looser and hold yeah. him tighter. <laughs> yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. I think that's the key is, you know, Jesus is able to uh, critique everyone and also call them into peace with one another. Yeah. And I think as he gives us a vision of a future that looks more beautiful, that yeah. I, think, I think this is the key to most things in life is, you know, if you have to have something more beautiful or something you desire more, replace something else that you desire. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so when Jesus comes and he says, you know, desire my kingdom more than anything, mm-hmm. um, and this is what it looks like, and that vision is so captivating that people are willing to 
lay down their sword if they're a zealot or stop cheating people as a tax collector and forget those other visions that aren't going to mm-hmm. pan out anyway. Yeah. And so I think of two beatitudes. I think of blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And, and meekness is not weakness. You know, meekness is this confidence properly placed, which leads to gentleness. And it mm-hmm. means that, you know, I really know who's in charge. And so I'm going to really entrust myself into the one who is in charge and not take things by force. Yeah, I think about, uh, it just struck me when Jesus is tempted and Satan says, all the earth can be yours. It's all mine. I can give it to you, mm-hmm. which is, first of all, a lie. Yeah. That's not, not accurate. Yeah. Uh, but second, it's a temptation to rise up and, and grab Just something. Grab something, yeah. Yeah, and, but yeah. you have to sell your soul. <laughs> and, and I see that politically, that, that both sides are just trying to grab it. You yeah. Know? And, and, and what does Jesus do? He's the one who lays down his life. Yeah. I, mean, you th- I think of Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Yeah. To, to go die. That's and, and he's meekness. the ult- he ultimately is the one who inherits the earth. Yes. In and, God's and time. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this great quote about meekness in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. And, and keep in mind, Bonhoeffer's writing in the context of the rise of national socialism, also known as the Nazis. Mm-hmm. You know, this super high-charged time of division and, and, and chaos. And fear, yeah. And... and Bonhoeffer says, you know, that those who try to seize the earth will lose it. Hmm. But those who come and die with Jesus will inherit it. Okay. And I think it's important to point out this is political language. Po- politics is about dominion, right? It's about it is. Who owns ruling. What? Who and rules. Yeah, yeah, who's got control and power. And yeah. here, Jesus is saying, yeah, it's the people who are just patiently waiting for God and his yep. kingdom and recognize their smallness. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who are going to end up with it at the end. Yep, they won't lose it. Yeah, not not the person who's chomping at the bit to take every political advantage. Yeah. Okay, what else and does Jesus say? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And man, I would just love it if we as a church could all see ourselves as commissioned by Jesus into this culture into this divided nation as peacemakers. Like, I I'm think, a peacemaker. Yeah. I, I think there's a huge um, opportunity as the conflicts all around us um, get seemingly more and more important. And we are tempted to, to fall into those things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but there's a huge opportunity for the church to be a place of non-anxious peace. Yeah kind of to the podcast last week, the exactly. sanctuary. Yeah, we're going to be a sanctuary from the madness. Yeah. We're going to live a different story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're not going to lose our, um, you know, our blood, our blood pressure is not going to spike every single day when we're watching the news because yeah. uh, we're going to be peacemakers in all this. Yeah, yep. And I think that part of being a peacemaker is that you have the ability to listen to people without trying to correct them, like listening to people without trying to, you know, be in charge and really trusting God with that relationship. And so, you know, I think, you know, I've heard multiple stories of the family members who do not talk to each other because of who they voted for, you know. Yeah. So the the daughter who won't talk to her father because he voted for Trump or the cousin who won't talk to another cousin because she voted for Biden and 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 rather than that, I think we need to be the people who 
say, you know, I just really want to listen to you. And I, I may not agree with you on a lot, but I'm going to value your humanity and just listen. And because I know who's in charge, God, right? His kingdom wins. Meekness yeah. wins in the end. And so I'll so listen. Yeah, let's talk about that kingdom a little bit, but Jesus' kingdom, because I think we're, we're called to seek his kingdom first, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we've talked, we just talked a little bit more about this, just this idea that what if we were as interested in the ongoing of what's happening in the church yeah. as we were with our news feeds? Yeah, and you shared this with me a couple months ago. You said, you know, John, I'm just, I'm more interested in what's going on in the local church at Holy Cross than I am in who wins the election or, you know, that kind of stuff. Because those things might be important, but God is at work in a local church community like Holy Cross. I mean, we are the people living out the story of redemption. We are the people who will inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. And so let's be really interested in the people in this church and the work we're doing because those things will endure. And the truth is, we will continue to do that work regardless of who's president. That's right. And even the church will continue to do its work long after America. Yeah. So. And, and I think um, I think it is a kingdom, right? We have a king. Yeah. And so, you know, if we think about the political workings of the people of God, you know, are we conforming ourselves to the will of our common king? Mm-hmm. Are we paying close attention to his edicts, you know? Yeah. Uh, to what he speaks to us and that should be our primary work and that's mm-hmm. actually where we might have some traction we actually could accomplish something yeah through the spirit and uh, as jesus calls us together um, just like he called his ragtag disciples you know together mm-hmm. to to be transformed into a new vision because what does it communicate to the culture when the culture looks at Christians and we're the people stressed out and anxious mm-hmm. politically, but more positively, what does it communicate to the culture when everybody's stressed out, but we're not? Yeah. And we kind of have our hand to the plow. Yeah. And we're doing the work God's given us. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to end maybe on this theme of, you know, well, we, we asked this question, what political party does Jesus identify with? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a fun question. Uh, difficult, nuanced yeah. question, but I mean, wouldn't you agree that, that, that I think it's safe to say that Jesus would find fault in every party? Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to vote for the Green Party, right? He's not going to be a libertarian platform. He's not going to be a de- Democrat. He's not going to be a Republican. Because each of these these groups will sometimes have things that fundamentally just conflict with Jesus. And so, for example, let's say you're on a libertarian platform. Okay, I can, I can understand a lot of that. You know, get the government out of my business. Yeah. But then does Jesus believe in just personal freedom as the highest value? Self-ownership. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the the book of Romans says, hey, look, God institutes all authorities, yeah. you know, families and governments and emperors. Yeah. And when you rebel against them, you're rebelling against him. Right. So it seems like there's something that's inescapable uh, in this world of government. And it's actually a good thing from God 
uh, used to punish evil, reward good. And we as Christians are called to recognize that mm-hmm. and, and not to rebel un- needlessly, you know, against this. So talk a little bit about our good friend, Tim Keller. He's our friend. He is. Like he's a, never he's a good before, thinker. But he's, he is our friend. And, and as these polarization pieces ramp up, mm-hmm. you know, he started to talk to his church leadership. Uh, he's a pastor in New York City, which is pretty contested, actually ground politically of mm-hmm. course um and uh he's he said look what we're gonna do is we're going to without apology we're gonna hold four things tightly we're gonna say we're gonna care for the poor which is generally um kind of a left concern and just generally right generally yeah i left, think there's maybe yeah. debate you know i think more of a conservative approach is to say that care of the poor needs to be family church yes not for profit kind of thing and i think that maybe more left-leaning is no this is the government's kind of responsibility to provide programs and whatnot yeah yeah and but but right. certainly the care for the poor is a yeah is a so priority. he says we're going to care for the poor and and generally that can be thought of as kind of a left issue voting yeah. issue mm-hmm. um also we're going to be unapologetically pro-life Right. Which is definitely uh, something that uh, the right tends to gravitate toward, mm-hmm. that kind of moral stance of pro-life. So right there, we're going to have some people who are going to be mad about one thing, possibly, yeah. and something yeah. people are going to be mad at the other way. And then he's going to say, we're going to be uh, pro-marriage and mm-hmm. traditional marriage. We're traditional marriage. Traditional marriage. Not new definition of marriage but so we're not going to dismantle uh the nuclear family we're going to champion that actually we're going to discipline that we're going to have sexual ethics yeah which right. is that's not really interesting to maybe the left secularization side of things or the left leaning politics of our day yeah but it is interesting to the right which tends to be more focused on family issues and then he says oh and we're also going to be pro immigrant mm-hmm. So we're going to champion the immigrant among us, which is very biblical. Yeah. And, and so we're going to hold these four things together without apology. And, and because Jesus holds these things exactly. together in the Gospels yep. without apology. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so we see in the kingdom of God, we see a political platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just there's no earthly political platform that looks like it. And so with that said, I would encourage people to do a little bit of homework um, and and. I'm assigning this because I've done it before and it was helpful. Um, if you know a Christian who you're pretty sure voted for uh, Donald Trump, maybe just sit down and, and kind of say, can you explain to me why? I want to patiently listen. Or if you know a Christian who you're pretty sure voted for, for Biden, sit down and say, can you explain to me why? From your Christian ethics, can you explain to me why? Now you got to be in a place where you're going to commit to be not confrontational. Yeah, right. Like, don't ruin, th- ruin. well, Thanksgiving is <laughs> past, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, y- y- really be prayerful about this. And, and I say that because, you know, I remember, you know, in college, I felt strongly politically one way, and I met another Christian who felt strongly politically the other way. And he sat down and explained it to me in conversation as a trusted friend. And it really kind of opened my eyes and made me think a little bit more nuanced. And so that was helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's helpful for us. Now, we're, we're probably not going to agree on everything. 
But I love it when I can see Christians say, but we're not going to hate each other. Right. I, I think that, yeah, that is a great opportunity. And I think in general, the people of God should hold cling as tightly as they can to the kingdom of heaven. And the unity we have in Christ. Yes. And yeah. hold lightly to the kingdom and the politics of this earth. Yeah. It's, it is important, but it's not ultimate. So mm-hmm. try to, yeah, encourage that posture uh, when we're talking about these things. Good. So that was very therapeutic, Pastor Tim. I feel Thank better. You. I just feel better. Yeah. And uh, we have some cool stuff lined up. I think soon we're going to talk about this question of why are so many millennials or young people leaving the church? Is that true? Is it false? Is mm-hmm. it somewhere in between? Um, and what are the causes of that? And then we also have some guests joining us in the future. Yeah. So, um, so good things to come. Yeah. Important topics. And I'm excited to dive into it. All right. All right, dear listener. We'll see you next time. <laughs>